turn to a passage of scripture this morning, just three verses, Ephesians chapter 5. Um, please grab it in your own Bible or whatever technology, but it will be on the screen as well. But here we go. Just as we're cleaning things up and clearing things away. And Is everybody okay after Wednesday night? You okay? All the New South Wales people, uh, yeah, really okay. For those of us who need prayer later, if you're not what you don't know what I'm talking about, this. Incredible rivalry between Queensland and New South Wales in the uh, game of um, rugby league. So, if you didn't watch it, you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. You didn't miss too much. <laughs> it's called the State of Origin. Is everybody aware of that? Those of. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Eh? Keep quiet, Billy. <laughs> Is that Billy Moore over there somewhere? <laughs> anyway, Ephesians chapter 5, are you there yet? Let's read it. Let me read it to you. It says, see then, this is Paul speaking. Can I give you a bit of background? Paul is, this is 55 years after Jesus actually was born. He's now, of course, died, rose again, gone to his father. So 55 AD. He's writing it to a particular church, a church at Ephesus, which is on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea there. In modern-day Turkey. So hopefully you can get a bit of a picture, geographical location. Of course, Ephesus isn't there anymore. Um, it's long gone, but there's other cities in close proximity, modern-day Turkey. And Paul writes this, and um, if you've got to appreciate, he writes it from prison. So the gravity of what he says here is from a prison cell, him not knowing uh, whether his life is going to last a week or a year or another 10 years. He's not quite sure. He knows that people want him um, murdered. They want to kill him because of his witness for Christ. Remembering Paul was a Pharisee originally, and now he's a believer in Christ. And so there's a lot of people out for him who want him dead. But uh, from they've got him captured. They haven't killed him yet. And he's writing this from prison. And he's talking about something pretty important that I want us to expound and share this morning. He says in verse 15, See then that you walk carefully. Some versions will say, New King James will say circumspectly, but I've just put carefully in there. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Okay? If you could just grasp, if, if Paul doesn't know his future, and he's not actually too worried about that, he knows he's going to probably die prematurely, be murdered sometime or killed, um, but he just wants to live his life, and what he wants to do is he says, I want to redeem the time. In other words, he wants to use every opportunity purposefully in the day that he has and the days he has. He, he went on to live quite a few more years, but he did finally, he was crucified, Historically, they say he was crucified, and he didn't want to be crucified like Christ. He was crucified upside down. Um, so Paul did die before his old age, but the reality is here, he, the weight of him not knowing about his future is pretty, it's, it, it, it's fairly important that we grasp what he says, because he's also saying, you know, I'm not, 
that, that you've got to be careful about your time, how you use your time. Opportunity. Because redeeming the time really means use every opportunity wisely. He says, a couple times he says, wisdom. He uses the word wise. He says, don't be unwise. Be wise. And how? Because why? Because the days are evil. Would you agree we live in a day when there's, it seems like almost every week this past month, there's someone has been killed through a bomb being exploded. Isn't that true? So the days, even though I think our days are probably in context of all of Earth's history, there's been some pretty bad days in the days of Noah and etc. But I do think in our generation we're seeing things, certainly the days are still evil, aren't they? So Paul says you've got to work, walk carefully, walk um, uh, using your time wisely, using the opportunities. Because um, I've discovered in life that, you know, we need wisdom in this area because you know what? You can run out of money, but you still have your life. You can run out of friends, but you still have your life. But you run out of time because um, the reality is, is that time you don't have. We only have a limited time, don't we? There's only a certain element of time that we have. I'd love us all to live to 120 years, but even that's a limited time. So between now and death, um, Paul is saying, would you continue to weigh up the realities of what you do and how you use your time? In actual fact, Job had something to say about this because he repeated it. Uh, he said what God was saying to him, and he says in Job 14.5, he says, a person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. Job says, your, your allotment of time is inflexible. Uh, that verse, it says, God sets limits on our lives that we can't exceed. And, you know, I can overeat and oversleep and I can overspend, but I can't overexceed. I can't. In other words, like, there's a fixed time to my life and that time when, that, that I've been given in life. And hopefully, as I said, it's a really long life for all of us. But we don't know. So there's a time that we have that we've got to be wise of. Psalm 90 verse 2 also just says this. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of what? Wisdom. In other words, weigh up what you do in a daily basis. So that, and, and, and the truth is, when you start to get wise, you start to realize that you have a limited time, and I can't overlive because there's only one time I have on this earth, and that's it. And after that, thankfully, for believers in Christ, there is eternity. But physically speaking, there's a limited time here. Billy Graham, is, many would know his name. He's an incredible evangelist and preacher, and he's now about 97 years of age. He's still alive. And uh, he's traveled the world and preached the good news of Christ He's been a mentor to several um, American presidents. And, and he was asked this question. It's a man of some experience and, and a humble man. And he was asked this question. What is the thing that has surprised you most about your life? And he said, how quick it goes. How quick it goes. And that's true, isn't it? How quick it goes. It just seems like yesterday I got married. And yet now it's 30 years later. And uh, you think, wow, how fast did that go? How fast did I still remember my first kiss? I mean, it's just, and there's been a few since then. But, um, you know, time goes quickly, doesn't it? Just like that. Just like that. So it, it is important that we consider wisdom. You know, and, and Paul says here 
in, in Ephesians 5, he says, you know, a couple of times he says, be wise in how you live. Be wise, be careful, have wisdom. Now, wisdom, what, what would wisdom look like for us? I reckon wisdom would, looking, would be for us to look at your diary and your agenda of things that you have to do and ask, what is the wisest way to invest my time? And I think on a daily basis, because Paul talks about the day, how the days are evil. I think on a daily, how do we invest our time on a wisely? So let me give you some thoughts about this, this, about this thought this morning. Already this morning, time has been mentioned. Um, I didn't set that up, but obviously there's something that needs to be, maybe the Lord wants to speak into our heart. I believe he wants to speak into our hearts in relation to time. And the first thing I just want us to give us some thought to, see, Paul says, walk carefully because the days are evil. So really what he's saying is, every day, be wise about how you walk. Every day, be wise about how you walk. Because the reality is, you can walk with no consideration of the day and do some things that are not wise and find that there's some destructive elements in that day. And, you know, one day rolls into a next and the next and just and they can become a life. Some people wonder, how did I get into this mess? Well, it's because you just allowed one thing to happen wrong on this day and allowed it to continue to happen. And that's why you end up in the mess you are. But reverse that situation. If we live wisely every day, one wise date turns into a week of wise decisions, turns into a month, turns into a year, turns into a lifetime, and you reap the benefit of that wisdom in living every day wisely and carefully. And so I think it all starts with the decision, but to just do every day, use the time you have in every day and how you're going to fulfill that day wisely. So here's what Paul's point is, I believe. Listen to this. There is an accumulative value to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over long periods. Now, I'll say that again. There is an accumulative. There's a compounding effect to investing small amounts of time in certain activities over long periods. It's beneficial. Example, exercise. Who loves exercise? Better still, who doesn't like exercise? We'll bow our heads. Yep, I understand. But you know what? If you invest a small amount of time in exercise every day over a long period, you see good results. Would you agree? Now, I'm just talking about it might be just gardening. It might be just walking down the road and back every day. I'm not, you know, we're not all Olympians, okay? I'm not talking about that. But just, just elements of small amount of time. Oh, by the way, this afternoon there's a bike ride on, isn't there, Malcolm? What time is that? 2.30. So all those who'd like to... Those who are going on the 100-kilometer uh, or 30-kilometer chaplaincy tour to Chaplin, we'd encourage you to come along. There's a good opportunity. We're not expecting you all to turn up. We understand. But um, so small amounts of time. Now, in, in, in investing small amounts of time, understand this. No matter how long you've been exercising, there is barely a measurable difference from day to day. I don't go for a walk one morning, come back home and say, oh, you know, my legs have grown three inches. The muscles, they're incredible. <laughs> In actual fact, even a week of walking, I don't see any difference. But you know, after a year, you suddenly get up one morning and say, oh, my legs are feeling stronger. So within the day, from day to day, there's a barely a measurable difference. And we've got to be careful with that because sometimes we think, well, I can just miss out on one day. I don't have to do it today. I can just sleep in today. And you know what? The truth is, missing one day doesn't hurt. But if you get into a habit of missing a day, and a day turns into two, into a week, into a month, into a, and within and we're 12 months down the track, you say, I don't know why I'm not feeling better. I had this, 
exercise um, program happening. When you look back, you've only walked nine days in the year and you expect at the tw- end of 12 months to have something. See, you know what I'm saying? So we've got to be aware of that. See, the real value of exercise is not found in the one moment, but in the continual compounding effect of those moments adding up to make a difference. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, remember what it said, it says, teach us to number our days. Consider your days. What are you going to do that's of beneficial? Small amounts of time used in very good um, areas that you need to implement in your life uh, have a compounding effect over a long period of time. It's very good. See, when it comes to relationships, this, this point is incredibly important. It, I have discovered, and it, as if it was something new, but it isn't, I've discovered that seemingly small activities, as my children were growing up, but doing it most days or most weeks, actually presented something that built into them that was really strong and really profitable for their lives. One of the things I discovered is actual fact, have a meal around the meal table. Just do It's only a small amount of time compared to the 24 hours you've got in a day, but you're doing it regularly. It Actually, it's amazing how relationships improve within your family. Do you know what I'm saying? Small things over a long period of time. Miss it once or twice and you don't even notice it. It's not a problem. In actual fact, it probably won't be a problem. But miss it. Keep on missing it and you see that it becomes a bit of a problem. You know, if you spent time every day just reading God's word and praying, it would be amazingly noticeable how much closer to Christ you would find yourself as a result of that and how much better life would go for you if you did. Not just, you know, not just once every six months, but just once a day, small amounts of time. And you might say, well, what's a small amount of time? I don't know, but you'll know the best time. For some of you, it might be 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour. I don't know. But what, even an hour is just one twenty-fourth of a 24-hour period. I spend more time eating and sleeping in the day than I do sometimes, you know, than that. So it's just these little increments. You may be, you know... It, in your relationship, in life, you may still face the struggles, but I guarantee you, you would be so much better equipped within your emotions to handle those struggles when you just spend a bit of time in God's Word and in talking to God in prayer. Miss a day and you don't notice it, but miss a month and you notice it. And all of a sudden you think, just wait a second, why, why, why am I feeling so anxious and worried about these things? Mate, I haven't even talked to God about it. I haven't even read his word for answers and God. How, why, why? Of course I should be feeling this way. I haven't even given him the time. See, there's no measurable gain based on just one time, but do those things every day over big lengths of time and there's an accumulative effect that enhances your life. Here's the second thing this morning about time. Neglect also has an accumulative effect. Psalm 26, 13. It says, The lazy man or the lazy person says, There's a lion in the road. Or on the road. You ever read that psalm? That verse? Oh, sorry, not psalm. It's Proverb 26, 13. Proverb 26, 13. The lazy person will say there's a line on the road. What's that verse really saying? This is what it's saying. It's really saying we can always find reasons to do something we really don't want to do. That's what it's saying. And the reason for not doing it isn't the problem, but it's our neglect or the attitude of, as the, as the proverb, uh, the uh, 
Proverbs says, the lazy person. In other words, we really don't want to do it, and we'll just make up excuses. There's a line on the road. Oh, you know, should I go and mow the lawn? No, it's too sunny. No, it's too, it's too cloudy and it's going to rain. You know what I'm saying? Shall I do that? No, it's too cold. It's too hot. Life will never be perfect until you make a decision about, hey, I'm going to do it anyway, until you do, get involved in this small thing. You know, I want to spend time with God. Oh, I've got so many things to do. No, you just don't want to spend time with God. Let's be real. <laughs> See, but neglect has an accumulated effect. Not giving any time to important things on a regular basis will also have a cumulative accumulation and an effect on our lives. And you can neglect your health for a month. And you know what? You probably won't notice any difference. You could probably eat um, takeaway for a, a whole week and not notice any difference. But you know, you do that for five or ten years. And unfortunately, uh, it'll cause permanent damage, doesn't it? Permanent damage. Neglect um, permanent damage, it's unchangeable. Uh, it's not damage caused by a single moment of neglect, but the accumulated effect of damage caused by that. Think horticulturally for a moment. Uh, if you neglect your garden long enough, and I neglect my garden, discovered if I neglect my garden long enough, the end result, uh, I won't enjoy it. And uh, all I have to do to, to neglect my garden, you know what I have to do? This one thing. This is, I guarantee if you do this, this is what will happen to your garden. If you've got a garden, uh, most of us have got a yard. If you just neglect to mow your lawn, you've only got to do this one thing, and you'll have something you won't enjoy, and that is nothing. Isn't it? Just do nothing. It'll grow weeds automatically. Yeah. I am, I've always wondered, who had planted those seeds of weeds in my garden? I'm sure someone sneaks up, uh, you know, overnight and just must... No one does. I just, not a, just got to neglect it. Just neglect life. Just neglect to do the little things over long periods of time and watch the weeds grow. Physically, spiritually, horticulturally. And you know what happens? Um, this is what happens. I get a sudden burst of energy. And I say, right, tomorrow morning, up at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to spend all day just weeding that garden. I get up six hours later, I'm exhausted. The garden looks incredible. It's incredible. Brilliant. I've done well. But do you know there are areas of our lives that a sudden burst of energy won't fix it? We can change. We can, uh, we can think that just like we cram for exams or sudden bursts of energy or, or do an all-nighter because we didn't study the night before. Remember those days? Some of you still living that? Stop doing it. Study before your exam. Well, be ahead of time. I'm not referring to anybody in particular, this group of stu students. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. Just, you know, we, we try to cram, but there's some areas of your life that you can't cram, that the compounding effect of neglect will cause irreversible damage, just like if you continue to eat um, takeaway for a year, it'll cause irreversible damage. Here's the third thing about time. There is no accumulative value, no accumulative, no compounding value, no value to the urgent things we allow to interfere with the important things. Okay? There's no value to it. No value it, it, to the things that we allow interfere with the important. How many times have you got this goal set, a really good thing that you want to, you've got to do today, and 
And all these so-called important things come and interrupt the thing that you really need to be doing. Do you know what I'm saying? And in life, you know, I was going to spend time with you, God, but there was all these important things. You know, and, and sometimes when you look back, those important things really weren't that important. They could have waited. You know, I'll give you an example for those of us who are about to go bike riding. If you decide you're going to start cycling, this is my problem. Every time Tour de Chaplin comes around, I've done it twice. Every time Tour de Chaplin comes around, I say, oh, I better do some training. And a week before I go and do 30 Ks, feel sore. And then I jump on the bike and do 100 Ks and feel extra sore. <laughs> Terrible way to live life, I confess. So I'm going to try and do a bit more than that this year. I'll still feel sore, but hopefully not as sore. So, you know, say I decided that, you know, I'm really going to get into this bike cycling thing. And you buy the clothes, you know, the, um, what do they call it? Lycra. Doesn't look good. Anyway, Lycra. And the exp I, buy the, I buy the really expensive bike, you know, $300 worth. No, no. Buy like one, one like Andrew, $5,000 worth. You know, that's not even expensive. I heard of a guy in glasses who's got a $28,000 push bike. I mean, he can afford I know. It's not, not in this church, but... You know, so they, anyway, you buy that stuff, and, and you've got these good intentions, and after six months, um, you haven't gone cycling. You know, you've got the gear, you've got the computers, you've, you've, you've got, you're on Strava, everything's happening... And yet six months, and someone comes up and says, how's your bike riding going? And, you, and you're really enthusiastic. And you say, well, I've got the gear. I've got the, you know, the com little computer. I've got the bike. And, but you know what? I had to, uh, uh, you know, uh, some things got in the rag. You know, I, I slept in a couple mornings. And I had to go to work early. And I thought I had to go to work early. And, and then I had to watch that TV series that went late and couldn't get up early to go bike riding. But, you know, there was just some things got on the road. And here's the truth. When you add up all the reasons for not bike cycling and um, add up its value, you know what? All those things often that are the excuses and the reasons and the things you think are really important that, you, that push in and interrupt the things that are really, really important in life add up to zilch usually. There's no added value to those things. Because random pursuits that interrupt important routines don't add up to anything. Just wasted time. I'll say it again. Random, random pursuits that interrupt important routines don't add up anything. They just waste time. That's what I've discovered in my life. I think, stop allowing it to happen. You jump on your phone. And before you know it, you've you looked at 10 YouTube clips on Facebook. And whoa, they're all funny and they're all good and they're all exciting. Man, I just wasted half an hour. Social media must be the most incredible tool if used wisely, but it's incredibly time-wasting if not. You know, see, there is never a cumulative value to the things we do instead of the things we know we really should do. And, what's, and the cumulative value of all those things, what's the cumulative value of all the things a father does instead of having dinner with his family? Not much. What's the cumulative value of all the things we do instead of reading the Bible and praying? Not a lot. 
When random, urgent things constantly interfere with strategic investments of time, it's like throwing away a most, most precious commodity. You know what is your most precious commodity? It's time. It's your life. Because your life is your time. Time is your life. Throw away time and you're throwing away your life. So we've got to be aware of this. Why did Paul say this? Because he realized the importance of walking carefully and using every day wisely. And knowing what, see what the last seven is, is know, understand what the will of the Lord is. How do we find out what God's will is? Neon signs in the sky? No, the day-to-day routine of actually even just giving him time to talk to him and let him talk to us through his word and, and through just prayer. Speak to our inner heart. Giving him time. It's it just every day. You know, oh, I'm going to pray. And sometimes we have these bursts of energy. I'm going to pray for six hours today. Actually, in fact, I'm going to do it every day. Never happened, folks. Just a lot of certain time. Give it time. See, when random urgent things constantly interfere with strategic investment of time, it's like throwing away our most precious commodity, and that's our life. And, you know, I have to be honest. That's why some people have live life and have nothing to show for it because... Um, they're always getting distracted by the unimportant, which they think is important. But if you gave it time, it would you put it aside. Here's the fourth thing. In the critical areas of time, you can't make up for lost time. You can't make up for lost time. Here's what we can do. And I've done this, and I've learned a long time ago, you can't do this. As a dad, maybe, we say, I know what I'm going to do. I've been... I've been bit busy lately, but next Saturday, we're going to go to a restaurant, kids, mum, wife, and we're going to sit at that table, and we're going to talk, and we're going to eat, and we're going to eat, and we're going to talk, and we're going to talk, and we're going to eat until we sort out all the relationships, and we're going to be, have wonderful feelings, lovely times together, and we're going to sit there until it's all sorted out, and we're going to have a great family, and, uh, and, and it'll be brilliant. And all the kids roll their eyes because dad hasn't been interested for three years to do that. You can't make up for lost time sometimes. Now, I'm not saying that maybe in that you could start to work on it and start to build a relationship, but sometimes we, you know, um, we try to do what we try to cram it. And we don't do that again for another three years. Folks, it doesn't create good relationship. It's like the married couple who go on a romantic weekend. Go on a romantic weekend, but realize um, you know, it, it takes the little times every day just to create romance and create love for one another. After 30 years, folks, you can't just... If you, I've never spoken to Michelle for 30 years or cared for her, and don't think I'm going to get some results after 30 years. I've never done that and just have a romantic weekend. Now, no matter how romantic it is, it's a critical area of life, and you, know, you can't take back what you've lost. You've got to have to work really hard. See, what you've neglected, the things that you've neglected. It's the critical areas of life. Sometimes you, it's difficult to make up for lost time. God, thankfully, we have a heavenly father who can sometimes redeem the time. He can bring back what the locust has eaten. There's this, these verses, you know. He can do amazing things. But, folks, it takes some commitment and work. I think it would be better if I just woo my wife every day and tell her I love her every day. And when we have the romantic weekend, it's going to be romantic. I think it's just great to, to you, know, um, you know, all of a sudden don't run to God and say, God, help me. I need you. And I haven't talked to him for three months. And you know what? God is incredibly gracious. He will. He is there. 
But the reality is, sometimes I don't, he wants to help me, but I don't hear because my ear is not attuned because I haven't spent daily time in that area of just listening and growing and maturing. The important areas of life are built on small, consistent allotments of time. You can't cram, you can't do all-nighters and expect everything to be all hunky-dory. It's like the man who said to his wife, or the wife said to the man, "Um, you never tell me you love me. You've all heard this one, haven't you? And he says, hey, I told you I loved you 10 years ago when I married you. If anything changes, I'll let you know. Doesn't work, does it? Doesn't work. So Paul says, be careful how you live, making the most of every opportunity. To waste time is to waste life. And Paul says, you know, why do we need to do that? Be careful how we live, make the most of every opportunity every time. Why does he say that? Because the world is evil. The world is evil. Our world is not morally neutral. Think about this. The world is not morally neutral. We live in an evil world. In other words, the world is always, its morals are always changing, unfortunately for the worst in most cases. It's not morally neutral. It just doesn't sit there, you know, the same morals that it had 10 years ago, it has today. No, usually, unfortunately, they've gone downhill a little bit. Um, Let me explain it this way. When I was a young boy, my mum and dad used to take me to Noosa for holidays. Noosa, brilliant place. Especially back then, it didn't have all the buildings it has today, and it was just a great holiday place. And we'd go to the main beach at Noosa, and Mum and Dad had reinforced me, swim between the... You all know, swim between the flags. And so as a little boy, I, I, I was obedient. I was a pretty good kid, generally. And so I'd, I'd, I'd even go to the point of kind of estimating that flag so far away, this flag so far away. I'm just out of the middle. I'm going to swim in the middle. I'd go out in the water about, usually not very far. It was only probably about three or four meters. But it was just, it was up to here on a little fella. And I'd swim away for 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, I'd hear Dad's voice on the beach. And he'd say, swim between the flags. And I'd turn around. And someone had moved the flags. <laughs> you ever been in? Someone moves the flags while you're in the water. And so I get out of the beach and so walk up the beach and hop in the flags. And 10 minutes later, I turn, Dad's saying, swim between the flags. I turn, Someone's moved them again. No, I never. This is all in my thoughts. It finally occurred to me, the flags aren't moving, I am. The current, <coughs> I need to be careful how I speak, I wear my voice out. <coughs> Talk amongst yourself. Because the truth is, the flag's never moved. I moved. And the current of the water actually took me down down the, the beach. And this is what happens in the world, folks. Here's the point. When the whole world is moving culturally, it's easy to think you're still standing still. If you never give regard at how you're going to walk each day, you can think, no, I'm standing still. 
But if you never give regard for the small things in life, just doing, they're important, but if they're done every day, you'll find that you don't move with the culture of the world. But if you don't carefully consider your time and how you live life and what you do every day, you don't have to do anything particularly wrong. You just have to forget about doing what's right. And you'll find yourself down the beach because the culture of the world continually bombards us every day through news reports, through all types of slogans, as we saw on Sunday night, marriage equality. And, and we think, oh, marriage equality is okay. No, it's not. Because it's embracing a whole lot of stuff that's just so ungodly. So we find we've got to be careful that we don't just drift. And I've found one of the best ways that we don't drift with the world is that we constantly, every day, give attention to how we walk every day carefully. It doesn't have to be a burden. You know, sometimes we say, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. I want to encourage you. You know, I've discovered that the things that I do that bring life to me actually become a pleasure if we do them and enjoy them. And some of us think, well, I'm not a routine type of person. That's okay. Sometimes I'm not either. But, you know, it mightn't be every morning, every day. I don't really. But, you know, it is some time that I'll find within the day or to do the important little things. And sometimes, because I like running, unlike those people who have two, think, two wheels and like to hop on them. I don't mind two wheels, I'll do it, bicycle riding. But, you know, and, and sometimes I get up and think, oh, I don't know if I really want to run today. But, you know, I do it anyway because I think it's just going to do something for my health. It's just, that's how I do it. You don't have to be a runner. But it's easy how fast we can drift when we just forget about the little things, the little things that are important. And some people spend their whole life doing, being so busy doing nothing so busy doing nothing Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 and 2 because sometimes we can say oh but there isn't enough time to do those important things no Ecclesiastes 3 1 and 2 to everything there's a season a time for every purpose under heaven you know I've discovered <laughs> this week I was reminded of it again I, I had so much to do on Tuesday when I came to the office so much administration I said God so I come out here and I walked around the church and I just talked to God about life. And I went back in there and it's amazing how quickly things get done because I've got a clear mind. How much I accomplished. Just, I said, God, that's got to be you. Far out. But until I did it, I don't think I would have accomplished as much. If we harness our time and use it wisely... In 10 years' time, you could, you could find yourself, if you harness the time and use it wisely, you could, in 10 years, you could find yourself physically healthier, even though you're getting older. You could find yourself relationshiply richer. You could find yourself emotionally stronger and spiritually closer to Jesus if you just did the little things, the, the everyday, short time, span, time spans, every day, but over long periods of time. If you just determined to make wise decisions in the area of your time, Small, consistent deposits of time and those things that really matter most. I think in 10 years' time, you'd find life is better. Do you know what I've discovered? For everybody who's just married in the last five years, marriage gets even better. Anybody else want to 
besides me and Malcolm? Because I know Malcolm agrees with this. Marriage can get even better. You thought, oh, you had it good when you were married. No, I get it's even better now. Why? I believe it's because just consistent small amounts of time deposits into the life just make it so much better. And when you face the rocky times, you come through because you've invested consistent amounts of time into something that's really important for your life. I got a dad. I had a dad. And uh, my dad, he's a good dad. He's a morally upright dad. He married my mum without sleeping with her. And he, and he was living in a time when, you know, that, that was starting to come in. And he, um, there was one little habit in his culture of his day that, that wasn't a good cultural thing. It was, it was to have a smoke. And I think he started when he was 15. Thankfully, 30 years later, he gave it up at the age of about 45. But 15, you know, 30 years of smoking, and even though he was a good dad, it had some toll on his body. So that wasn't a good thing. He'd done little things, small things over a pretty long time. And unfortunately, he reaped the benefits, of, not the benefits, the neglect of his body and that. So when my dad gets to um, 65, he goes to see a GP because he's feeling something's not right in his body. You've got to understand, my dad... He was born with a kidney defect, and one of his kidneys was only operating for about 5 or 10%. The other one was perfectly normal. And he, and he found this out around about when he was 45. That's one of the reasons he gave up smoking. But when he gets to 65 now, he goes to a doctor because he's just not feeling well. And the doctor, the GP says, I'm going to refer you to a specialist because your other good kidney is not happening so well at the moment. So he goes to a specialist. And he said, and the GP had said to him, you know, you've got to go on. You might have to go on uh, kidney dialysis. And he, and he told my mum and my family, oh, I am not doing kidney dialysis. I'm not going to go on kidney dialysis. Far out. He goes to the specialist. He sits in the office. And this is the conversation went like this. Well, sir, we've just, um, the specialist said, we've just checked your kidneys. And uh, you've got to, uh, we're going to have to do some changes. There's going to have to be some changes, if you, you know. And Dad says, I am not going on kidney dialysis. The doctor says, that's okay, no problem. Can we just plan your funeral right now? Dad says, what? This is what the doctor said. Well, in four months' time, sir, you're going you're to die. So it's okay. If you want to die, that's fine. But if you want to live, do you want me to tell you how I'm going to help you do it? Dad says, okay, I'll go on kidney dialysis. <laughs> to his credit, for 10 years, he went on kidney dialysis. You know what it involved? Five times a day, he had a little tube coming out of his stomach, a little cap on it, and he'd drain his kidney out of all the old fluid, what we normally do in our waste products, he'd drain out of his stomach, and then he'd put another bag in. It took 25 minutes to do five times a day. He did it for 10, 11 years, and he did it religiously. Small operation over a long period of time. He lived... It helped him live because he was going to die within four months. He lived till he was 76. And he didn't die because of kidney failure. He died because of cancer, got a hole in his chest because of his unfortunate smoking 30 years before him. 30 years for that 30 years. So I, I just credit my dad. He gave all of us kids and his grandchildren another 11 years to spend time with him. And it was because of small increments of doing 
little things well over a long period of time. And I want to just tell you folks uh, that until you start to do that, can I be honest? Life will not go as well. God wants you to have life and have it well and go strong. He wants you to enjoy what he has. Now, is there going to come some roller coaster rides? Of course there is. But when we do life well on a daily basis, we can handle the, holo- the roller coaster rides. The things that, you know, and there's some sadness and things we didn't plan for and things you don't deserve. I understand that. But I'm so thankful we have a Heavenly Father that also understands us. So if, in, if you were to harness your time and use it wisely, in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, I believe you could see things are healthier. I, could, I believe that if you keep on doing the little things well, relationships can become richer. You can become emotionally stronger and spiritually closer. Can we just stand this morning and we're going to close in prayer. You might, uh, I want to encourage you, it's a simple truth today. But Paul said, walk every day carefully, every day carefully. Every moment, just be wise about how you live life. Make decisions that will harness those important things in life. So Father, today, if you want to make this your prayer, please include it in your heart. Father, today, we stand before you as a people that need more than just ourselves. We need you. And we need you to strengthen us to use our time wisely because the day can get away with us, the year can get away with us, and we can have excuses and we can get tired and we can face struggles, Lord. But we need you to help us just to put into place little things over consistent, consistently do little things so they become over long periods of time that become great strengths in our, strengths in our lives. And we thank you for that principle in your word. And we commit ourselves to you. And we ask for your help in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just sing one more song this morning before we close. Worship just for a moment.